The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. The latest national stroke audit figures were released last week and they were a bit disturbing. Now, to help us understand the report and to tell us where the future of stroke care is going in Ireland is consultant stroke physician and clinical lead of the Irish National Audit of Stroke, Dr Joe Harbison. Joe, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Now, good news or bad news or a cure-its egg? Uh, cure-its egg, bit, bit of both. Both. There's some, some good news. The services in the hospitals are generally improving. Uh, people are getting seen faster. So if you have a, an urgent stroke, there's about a 50% chance you get seen within 10 minutes by a doctor when you arrive in the hospital. When you arrive. When you arrive. The problem is when you arrive. The delay it's taking uh, people to get in. There's been a serious drop off in the number of people who are arriving in the, in the golden time for, for treatment. The faster you get into hospital, the better. We tend to pick off uh, pick up three hours as sort of as an indicator as, a, as an important time. And we've, we've dropped substantially from about 59% getting in time way down into about 46%, which is a substantial drop. It's, it's nearly sure. a quarter drop. So 59% currently, well, we're getting we're in, doing, yeah. and now it's 46%. Yeah. So more than half, heading for two thirds, were getting there in time, yeah. the three-hour um, margin, yeah. and now it's less than half. And yes, and it's, it's a declining year on year. In the audit, we looked at nine years, and it's gradually been dropping off um, and of course, this is really important because if you get in fast, we can give you clot buster drugs if it's an ischemic stroke, or and sometimes we can pull the clot out. But the longer you wait, the more brain is lost, the more damage is done. And therefore, the recovery less than complete. Yes. Um, why is this delay growing? Well, there may be a, a number of factors. The one we're particularly concerned about is a lack of awareness of symptoms. Now, people may be aware of the, the FAST, what we call the FAST score, the face-arm speech test. If the face drops, if the arm is weak, uh, if the person loses the ability to speak or the speech turns very slurred, then it's time to ring 999. Now, we now know and we know from Irish Heart Foundation, recent Irish Heart Foundation research, that people's awareness with that has dropped off. Really? So, why? Because there's, there are so many campaigns. I mean, again and again on television, on radio, um, it's talked about. I think there's so many campaigns, but there's lots of ca- campaigns for different things. That, and it's, it has to be kept in front of your mind. We actually haven't had a fast campaign for a number of years. Irish Heart Foundation has just started another one in association with uh, HSC and Department of Health and we'll be seeing more than that in the next few weeks. But it's really important that people are aware of those symptoms because it's a condition where the um, the life and the person's outcome is determined by other people. You're much more likely to get help if somebody else sees okay. you having a So let's go through FAST again. Right. Do our bit for public service. F. F, face. So is the person's face fallen on one side? If you ask them to show them your teeth or smile, does the face look asymmetrical or does it look like it's weak on one side? Lopsided. Yes. Arm. Can they hold their arm out in front of, in front of them? Is the arm paralyzed? Or when they hold their arm out in front of them, does it drop? And then speech. Are they, do they have very slurred speech or are they unable to find words at all or putting in the wrong words at times? And then time, if you've got those symptoms, it's time to, to get the emergency services. Any one of those symptoms, dial 999. Now, what is your advice, though, uh, given that's part of the delay, but the rest is the arrival of the ambulance in a timely fashion? Would you advise people 
dump them in the car if you've got a car and bring them yourself. If if that's if you're able to do that, that's an issue. And one of the issues we have, of course, around the country is that ambulance response times may be understandably a bit slow. If you're living out in Car Savine, sure. you know, it's going to be an hour and a half before your, your ambulance distance. gets distance. Yeah. So if the person is able to come in, you can bring them into the hospital if they're safe enough to do that. But in general, remember, all the paramedics in the country are now trained at, at managing stroke. They're all changed, trained at identifying stroke. So if it's it's an issue of safety of whether or not the person's well enough to go in the car yeah. but the faster you get in, get them into the hospital the better. When the paramedics arrive what can they do for the stroke patient? They do a very quick assessment firstly to confirm it's a stroke and then it's a matter of rapid rapid um, transfer into the hospital. There's a lot of what they won't w- won't do. They keep the person safe to make sure the person isn't swallowed. Typically, they don't give aspirin. They check the blood pressure, make sure the blood pressure isn't dangerous. Uh, make and sure if it is extremely high, what do they do then? Well, they can, in certain circumstances, bring blood pressure down. But the really important thing is to, is to get into emergency department as quickly as possible. Mm. Um, can they administer clot-busting drugs? Unfortunately not. Now, in certain places, they, there are very sophisticated ambulances with a scanner in the back of the ambulance. They're almost small, like small trucks. The problem with those is you really need quite a density of populations to sustain them. Um, and we, In we, other words, and enough patients every yeah. day to justify the money that is spent on them. Well, you'll need to have be looking after maybe two or three strokes a day within the ambulance. And it's always a situation is if you don't have a stroke patient, then you can't leave these unused. So the ambulance may have somebody else in the back of it when you actually need it. So you're sort of, it's working places like So Houston it's got to be a bit like a fire brigade yeah. that it's got to be dedicated yeah. to its task. Yeah. Um, and, and what sort of personnel would be in this uh, truck stroke ambulance? Well, in, in Berlin, you would have a neurologist, a stroke specialist, a paramedic and a radiographer to actually do the scan. So the right. three personnel in the back of it. Um, is anything changing technolo- technologically speaking to, to maybe make it more widely available, that kind of... Well, scanners are much more available. And the question is, do you bring the person all the way into the hospital for the scan or can you do the scan in a more local place? Now, if you think if you can put a scanner in the back of an ambulance, you can yeah. put smaller scanners in other places. Um, and scan scanners are essentially, the CT scanners are essentially very complex uh, x-ray machines attached to his computer and of course computers have got more sophisticated they've also got more they've also got cheaper and the tubes they use have also become more sophisticated so in my day when you could do a scan it would take 30 minutes to do a scan these days we do in about two minutes okay so uh, technology will become smaller yes. cheaper more accessible that's the future though. Yes. that's not the now no so what do we need to do in the now well the first thing is is education. Get people in fast and, and public education and also keep the education going. So what we realise is when, a, when a, edu- a health education campaign is going on, people become very aware, the number of pe- people with stroke coming in in time goes up. As soon as that education programme stops, you start seeing a tail off. And we're now probably four or five years since a, a large campaign. Mm. Now, what about home care for stroke patients? Is that uh, after the stroke when the clot busting drug has been administered or when the bleeding has been stopped? um, Often they will occupy an acute bed. Mm -hmm. Well, we're improving. We have what's known as early supported discharge teams now. We realise that you can get the same rehabilitation that you get in the hospital at home and it's actually slightly even more effective, improves outcome a little bit for the right patient. So clearly if you've... um, you know, if you can manage at home, if there's enough support there or if you have carers, that's great. And the the, the early support discharge team will go in and 
and and provide that therapy. We've got about 10 or 11% of going out with that. In the UK, it's about 40 or 50%. So there's it's, we've so got a lot go. of work to do. We have more challenges, though. Excuse me. We have, again, a more uh, um, dispersed population. So again, early support of discharge sure. works fine when you're in a city. We're in Ireland at the moment piloting early support of discharge in more rural areas. So for instance, now an early support of discharge team opened in Sligo. Um, and we're probably the leaders in having, having to produce a kind of an adapted hybrid early support of discharge form. Um, and it will be taken up by other countries. There are other countries in the same boat as us, like Portugal and, and, and Poland and Ukraine where we might be able to uh, lead the way on how to provide early support discharge in more okay, rural but areas. This is a, a pilot program uh, at the moment. It is, exp- expanding out. We have it in Dublin, Limerick and Cork, and we're gradually moving it into other places. And Galway, of course. And, and move other places. Um, we've been obviously talking about the tragedy in Syria and Turkey and how likely it is that you have a second earthquake or a third mm-hmm. or more. What about stroke? If you've had one stroke... How likely are you to have a second? Not massively. I mean, you are slightly above the average population, but the majority of people who have one stroke don't get another stroke. It's about a one in five chance, lifetime chance of getting another one. One in four, one in five. And and what is the reason for stroke? I mean, what causes the clot? Where does it come from? Okay, so the biggest risk for stroke is high blood pressure. And it's really important for people to know high blood pressure. Both ischemic stroke and hemorrhagic stroke, both block blood vessels and ruptured blood vessels is high blood pressure. Um, those clots usually come either from the heart because of an irregular heartbeat or from a diseased blood vessel in the neck. The, you sometimes get very small clots occurring in the brain just because high blood pressures damage the blood vessels in the brain. But, but in general, it's a clot either coming from the neck, mm. the carotid arteries in the neck or from the heart. Is there a way uh, of predicting someone who's likely to have a stroke? Yeah. I mean, can you have some sort of scan that will tell you? Well, the, you could have one and yeah, soon. Well, the big risk factor, the big preventive risk factor we look for in Ireland is atrial fibrillation. And Ireland is one of the few countries where the general practitioners are encouraged to screen for atrial fibrillation. And this is an irregular heartbeat. It's benign. About 10% of men over the age of 65 have it, but don't. Uh, about 50 of them don't know they have it. It gives you this, what we call irregularly irregular pulse. When you feel the, uh, the heartbeat, it's not going bump, bump, bump. It's bump, 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 like okay. that. Um, if you have that, you have a lifetime risk of about 35% of getting a stroke. So if we can get that, we can either correct the rhythm or we can put you on a blood thinner that will stop um, stop the, uh, um, you having a stroke or prevent about 70% of them. And those blood uh, thinners have improved greatly. They don't need, they used to use warfarin. If you remember warfarin, yeah. you'd have to get blood poison. tests. Yeah, but these new, the modern ones don't need as many blood tests. Therefore, about we've increased the number of people on these blood thinners in the last 10 years by by over 100%. So it's much easier drug to use, much easier mm. for general practitioners to use, um, and therefore it's becoming quite effective. Yeah. Uh, finally, hereditary or not? Um, n- n- yes, in some unusual cases. Uh, high, blood pressure tends to run in families. So if your blood pressure runs in families, then you're more likely to get a stroke associated with families. There are some very unusual hereditary stroke conditions um, that are genetic-based, but but mainly the hereditary nature of it is related to mm. your risk for blood pressure and diabetes and um, high cholesterol and, and, and things like that, atrial fibrillation. Um, I'm now 48. I've had two strokes, uh, says a texter. My first stroke was major. I was got to hospital within the three hours, had an emergency thrombectomy and recovered very well. 
Yeah. So that's something we've been doing over the last five years. And Ireland actually is well ahead of the game on that. That is, if you have a, a very large stroke that blocks one of the major blood vessels in the brain, you can be taken to one of the two neurointerventional centres, one in Beaumont and one in Cork, Cork University Hospital, and they will uh, bring you up and, as an emergency, suck the clot out or remove the clot with a special device called a stent retriever that will, will pull the clot out. I had a stroke at 53. I fell over, completely lost my balance. My pupils were pulsating and I was vomiting. Not the classic symptoms. I had the full stroke in the hospital, thankfully, says Lorna. There are about 5% of strokes that the fast score doesn't pick up. Um, uh, They've expanded that a little bit, a thing called the B-FAST, where the B stands for balance and E is for eye. You lose vision in an eye or lose vision in half the eye. Um, We we emphasise the FAST because the more bits you add in to remember, the less total people remember. All right. And another one. What's the difference with minor episodes, a bit of slurring to the bigger episodes? Does it always follow that the smaller episodes will grow into bigger episodes? No, it doesn't always follow, but you are more likely to have a stroke if you had a small episode. And if you have a warning like that, you should contact your doctor or contact 999. Dr. Joe Harbison, consultant, stroke physician and clinical lead of the Irish National Audit of Stroke. Joe, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.